Answering Mormon's Questions by Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson deals with 36 commonly asked questions by your LDS friends and neighbors. It's a great resource for Christians who want to share their faith with friends and loved ones. Be sure to pick up your copy today at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. What is the word of wisdom, and how did it come about? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We're continuing our discussion relating to a trip that Eric, myself, and a friend of ours, Trevor Wolf, took over the summer of 2022. It was actually during the month of July. The reason why we went back to some of these historical sites that pertain to LDS history is because we wanted to hear what LDS tour guides were saying about these places that are very special to them. And in our last show of last week, we were in Kirtland, Ohio, and today we are still in Kirtland, Ohio, although we have now moved from the Kirtland Temple, which is on the top of the hill, towards the bottom of the hill, going north to an area that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints owns, and they are rebuilding a lot of the original structures that were there many years ago. Now, this would be in the 1830s. One of the places that is predominant there is the Newell K. Whitney store, which was built by a man by the name of Newell K. Whitney, who plays a pretty prominent role in the early years of the LDS Church. He bought the property for that store in 1826. He meets Joseph Smith in the early 1830s. We went into the LDS Visitor Center. We had a senior couple as our tour guide, and, and that's not unusual. In a number of the places where we visited, we had senior retired couples that would take us around. And they were very nice, very nice people trying very hard to give us as much information in the time that they had available. Well, we go into the Newell K. Whitney store, and eventually we're going to go upstairs in this building, because it was a two-story building, and we go into an area that we are told this is where the School of the Prophets was held. And we should probably give you a little explanation as to what was the School of the Prophets. So, Eric, you have a section taken right off of the official website of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we're not going to read the whole thing, but there are some things that probably should be said to give our listeners a better understanding of what this School of the Prophets was all about. It says, in December 1832, Joseph Smith received a revelation directing him to establish a school for the elders of the church in Kirtland. Joseph Smith and his contemporaries used the term, quote-unquote, School of the Prophets to describe this new school. It goes on and says, The first session of the school opened on January 22, 1833, in an upper room of Newell K. Whitney's store. While the school was intended primarily to prepare men for missions, women also attended the first meeting and participated in the spiritual outpouring, which include powerful manifestations of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. Now, we might mention that we don't hear a lot of that happening in the modern LDS church. Certainly in the early years, especially around the time period of the Kirtland Temple in the 1830s, 
these Pentecostal manifestations seem to be quite common, but yet we don't hear that anymore coming out of the LDS Church. In fact, I would venture to say that most Latter-day Saints would probably think it's strange that within Christian circles, Pentecostals are continuing this today. And I don't know of too many Latter-day Saints that would look upon those experiences favorable, probably because they don't do it in their church, especially like it was done in the 1830s. The article continues. On February 27, 1833, Joseph Smith received the revelation known as the Word of Wisdom during a meeting of the School of the Prophets, prompted in part by questions Emma Smith had raised. Now, if you were to look at that site, that article that Eric has read, there's a footnote. It's footnote number seven. And, and I have to admit again that one of the frustrating experiences for me reading a lot of articles on official sites owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is even though they do have these footnotes, they merely give you the reference and they don't often give you the quotation in that reference that supports what they just said in the article, and that drives me crazy. Well, I do happen to have the book that they do mention, and it does talk about Emma Smith complaining about the tobacco juice that was spit out of the mouths by those who are participating in this school of the prophets. Now, you would not know that from reading this article unless you had that reference. You would have a reference to the book, but they're not telling you what was it that Emma Smith was suggesting? What was she talking about? If you want to know more about that, I would suggest that you look at a book called Mormon Enigma, Emma Hale Smith. It was written by Linda King Newell and Valene Tippett's Avery. And I believe I made reference to this book last week as we were talking about some of the sites that we visited in last week's show. But on page 47, it says, as the church expanded, the missionary efforts increased. Joseph established a school to train men in the new doctrines as well as English, Latin, and geography. This, quote, school of the elders, unquote, met, according to Brigham Young, in a small room situated over Emma's kitchen. At this time, the Smiths had not moved into their house across the street and closer to the Kirtland Temple. They were still living in this building that was part of the Newell K. Whitney store. While the men's desire for more education could not be faulted, the more mundane aspects of human affairs invariably appeared. The book continues, Young said that, quote, When they assembled together in this room after breakfast, the first thing they did was to light their pipes and while smoking, talk about the great things of the kingdom and spit all over the room. And as soon as the pipe was out of their mouths, a large chew of tobacco would be taken. Often, when the prophet entered the room to give the school instructions, he would find himself in a cloud of tobacco smoke, end quote. The situation in the room was probably an example of the conditions that the Kirtland Temperance Society opposed. Founded in 1830, it was not predominantly Mormon, but some were among its members. Temperance societies worked to abolish ardent spirits and also condemn the use of alcohol, tobacco, and the eating of too much meat. Without question, this larger social movement affected the Mormons. And it continues, thus Emma faced almost daily with, quote, having to clean so filthy a floor, end quote, as was left by the men chewing tobacco, spoke to Joseph about the matter. David Whitmer's account supports Brigham Young's description. Quote, 
Some of the men were excessive chewers of the filthy weed, and their disgusting, slobbering, and spitting caused Mrs. Smith to make the ironical remark that it would be a good thing if a revelation could be had declaring the use of tobacco as sin and commanding its suppression, end quote. Emma had support among the women. Whitmer further reports, quote, The matter was taken up and joked about. One of the brethren suggested that the revelation should also provide for a total abstinence from tea and coffee drinking, intending this as a counterdig at the sisters, end quote. Joseph made the issue the subject of prayer, and the word of wisdom was the result. Now, that's probably not the way a lot of Latter-day Saints come to understand how the Word of Wisdom or this Mormon health code, which is found in section 89 of the Doctrine and Covenants, came about. Many articles that you read about this don't go into nearly this much detail, and it almost gives the impression that really Emma didn't have anything to do with it at all, that it was Joseph Smith made it a priority to get a revelation from God about this. But this certainly includes some details that I'm sure that many Latter-day Saints are not aware of. Now, when I first read this in this particular book, uh, Mormon Enigma, I checked it against what other historians were saying about the origins of the Word of Wisdom, and they all seemed to concur that it really goes back to Emma Smith's complaint. So you could say it was more of a hygiene issue more than anything else. But what I find interesting is when Smith was asked to come up with a revelation on this, that there was almost a retaliatory portion put into that revelation, quote-unquote, going against Emma and her friends who were known to have uh, meetings with other women and drink coffee and tea, what we would call maybe a tea party or a coffee clutch as they were understood at the time. Well, if you're going to get back at us for the tobacco, we're going to get back at you for the coffee and the tea. Now, we know since then that coffee and tea have almost become what I would consider a health food. There's a lot of benefits to drinking coffee and tea. But to this day, despite all those scientific findings, the church still tenaciously makes it a rule that you are not to drink coffee and or tea if you hope to get a temple recommend, which allows you, of course, to be in any Mormon temple that the church owns. I think you're making a good point about how many Latter-day Saints don't know the way that this quote-unquote revelation comes about. DNC 89 was kind of meant to be, okay, I'll do what you say, honey, but you're going to have to pay the price as well. Uh, I think most Latter-day Saints probably think it was done for reasons of health for everybody and not to retaliate. Uh, I just, I, I find the story to almost be amusing when you consider the scope of the Word of Wisdom and how important it is today to be able to even go into the temple. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised when we went into this room because I watched a video about the School of the Elders, which I found on YouTube, and it was produced, I believe, by the LDS Church, although several years ago. It was interesting because it showed a number of men coming into this big, huge room and sitting down and listening to a character portraying Joseph Smith speak to them. But yet this was a very small room. Uh, I would almost think it was insignificant, really. And it was obviously very sacred to our tour guides because when we got in there and we sat down, and I might mention at this point, there's not only me and Eric and Trevor who are in the group, but we had met earlier in the day 
a couple who were ex-Mormons, this was Bill and Grace, and also a friend of yours, John, who had met us also. So there's six of us in the group now. We're the only ones on this tour. And we made it very clear, as we often made it clear, that even though Eric and I were from Utah, we are not a part of the church. We were very transparent about that. And yet, knowing that none of us were members of the church, the husband told us that we needed to remove our hats, but he only said it after his wife reminded him to tell us to remove our hats. So this little tiny room, which kind of looks like a little shed in the back of this Newell K. Whitney store, obviously has some kind of sacred element. Even though we were in other buildings that had significant events take place, we were never told to remove our hats there. But in this particular room, for some reason, we are told to remove our hats. And then he proceeds to tell about the significance of the School of the Prophets. If that's where it was held, you couldn't have very many people attending this school at any one time. In tomorrow's show, we're going to continue talking about this revelation that was given to Joseph Smith called The Word of Wisdom. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism. We hope you've enjoyed today's edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. But did you know you can also listen to past broadcasts at your convenience? Simply go to Mormonism Research Ministries' website at mrm.org. Again, that's mrm.org. And scroll down to the box that says, Listen to the Podcast. Click here, and you'll find links to past shows that cover a number of pertinent subjects. Feel free to download the shows to your favorite listening device. And by all means, please share them with your friends. Once again, that's mrm.org.